Testing, testing, one, two, three. Yes, people, it is episode 301 of Griff's Brain Dump. It's me, Griff. Obviously, how are you doing? Are you well? Um, what's going on? It's Sunday, the 10.30 p.m., 13th of November. Um, we're recording the pod on the day that we're saying that we are. <laughs> anyway, how you doing? What has your week been? My week has been okay. Is that... Uh, um, British Comedian of the Year semi-final this week uh, or last week as you say didn't get through which is okay but not okay basically I was just trying to do this competition to get an accolade to put on the poster for the show next year I'm going to remix it I'm going to say you know British Comedian of the Year shortlisted how about that if I say shortlisted that's that's the one. That's what I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna say semi-finalist. Semi-finalist makes me sound like England football team. No 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 no. Short listed. Shortlisted from what? There was a longer list and now it's shorter and I'm still on that list. Technically shortlisted. So those are two things I'll be in the on the poster next year. BBC New shortlisted for BBC New Comedian of the Year and shortlisted for British Comedian of the Year. Bush Bush. Now, to be fair, there's a guy called Dan Tiernan who uh, literally won the new British BBC New Comedian and he's in the final of British Comedian of the Year. So if when he wins both, <laughs> I've never seen this guy before, before but when he wins both, um, that will look better on his poster. But anywho, we are here now. Um, yeah, that's how my week has been. Um, comedy and um, if I keep them on to check my diary this is how my life is as my life just rolls around diary oh my god I literally I gigged Friday I was in um, Hearn Bay in the King's Hall in Hearn Bay it's down in Kent um, you know I don't, I, don't, um, I don't like to trash a place I've been the gig was nice but the town <laughs> I mean, I knew it was all right at night. I can't judge a whole town at night. The houses on the seafront were very big. And they were nice. Everywhere else, in in Osomash, it's um had to walk through a park at night to get to the gig to and from. And I was hesitant. I was looking at my route plan and I saw that I had to walk directly across this dark park. And then arrogantly, I was like, nah. I'm probably the most dangerous thing in this park right now. You know what I mean? Like, if if a crime was to kick off in this park, I'll probably be prime suspect. Guilty or innocent, I'm going to be prime suspect. So this park can't be that dangerous. And then I got into the park, saw graffiti, and I was like, oh no, youths. <laughs> so I'm an old man now, so I'm scared of youths all the time, but... Yeah, but that gig, the gig itself was fine. Um, actually, it was quite fun, to be fair. And then um, good old, I had to leave and run for my train. And luckily, good old British Rail was shit. And there were seven minutes left. I mean, seven minutes late, the train was. And um, I shouldn't call it British Rail, should I? Because British Rail doesn't exist. It's not a nationalised thing. But 
point I'm making. The train was late, seven minutes late, and that allowed me to get on get home. Because if I didn't get that train, it would have been an hour later getting home. And um, I didn't want that. Didn't want it in my life. But it's cool. Managed to chill out on the train. Finish watching the FIFA documentary. If you haven't checked out. Watch FIFA Uncovered. Just about the scandal of FIFA. It's funny. The amount of people have said, "Have you watched the documentary FIFA Uncovered?" And they've gone, "Oh, what is it about the computer game?" I'm just like, "What? What do you think the game's named after?" <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, what's what's happening next week? Bloody World Cup. And you think they're going to do a documentary about a computer game? Come on. But no, very interesting documentary, man, just about the corruption that's in that organisation. I mean, I knew it was corrupt, but it it was crazy. Just bribes getting dish-dashed. One of the most interesting things is how Sepp Blatter actually became president. That's one of the most interesting stories. I'll give you a little story. It's a little bit of a spoiler. It's not spoilers. It's a documentary about historical events. Fucking grow up. Let's segue. It's like when I watch The Crown with my wife. Love her. But she knows so little about the royal family that I'll say something and she'll deem it a spoiler. Like, um, for example, <laughs> two characters came from the previous season, two uh, children were there. She's like, oh, um, who are they? And I went, oh, that's Andrew and Edward. That's the one who grows up to be a nonce. And then she was like, what? Why are you spoiling it for me? And I was like, are you serious? You, you can't be serious. Um, explaining that this guy is not going to be king um, because he leaves for an American in the sense of, um, what was it, Dickie? I can't remember what his real name was. Edward? King Edward. And she said, what, what why are you spoiling it? I said, what do you mean, why am I spoiling it? So why, why, why are you telling me that he abdicated the throne? I'm like, because... It, it's happened. <laughs> These are historical events. <laughs> oh man. So yes, I can't spoil the FIFA documentary by telling you, but um, I guess I could because it is is insight into what actually happens. This wasn't widely known knowledge, unlike who the King of England was back in the day. But anyway, one of the interesting things about Set is that uh, he shall have a lunch. Who was the president? He basically found fraud. He found him committing um, like bribery or whatever, or misappropriating funds. So because he found that, he actually told him, "Look, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna step down as pr- president of FIFA, and you're gonna put me as your candidate. You're gonna endorse me." And that's how my man got to his position. And. It's crazy the amount of things that you have in your head that we think our oh, FIFA dodgy, set blatter's dodgy. He, you know, he got nicked, and you think what he got nicked for. You think you know what he got nicked for. Then when you watch the documentary, you realise what? It's compelling. It's compelling. I like the fact that set blatter's even in it. Like all of loads of the ex-co are in there. The executive committee of FIFA are in this. You got like Gianni Infantino being interviewed. Um. Like people like in the, the executive committee, people with personal assistants, um, wives of of like these guys. It's it's just brilliant. It's a great documentary, man. So I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think 
let's just keep on flowing. Like the World Cup is starting next week, isn't it? That is mental. World Cup starting next week. Feels very counterintuitive, man. And um, I'm just hoping we can just get started and just stop, stop pretending we care about human rights. You know, because had a very long time to uh, to boycott this World Cup. A lot of time to boycott it. Probably from when Qatar got the World Cup. If you really cared about the human rights issues there. Because you can focus on who's died on the World Cup project, but a lot of, uh, lots of people, a lot of Indians and Nepalese people and Nepali people were dying in Qatar before in construction projects. Before those, uh, yeah, before the World Cup in construction projects, and now we're pretending we care. We knew that when they won the bid, we thought it was dodgy when they won the bid. Could have boycotted it from then. But no, why? Because money talks. I'm telling you. It's crazy. Playing five aside this morning. <laughs> I'm not going to say which comedian said it. I'll let him say it when he wants to say it on stage. But he said... <laughs> that, he said that these guys, to talk about the people, the, um, the workers... In some instances, the slaves. Because the slaves are dead now. To cancel the World Cup would just be they died for no reason. Oh, we laughed. <laughs> he was like, what I'm just saying. And then when I was telling him about the documentary, he goes, look, here's the thing. If you're in a corrupt organisation, the only way to become the top guy in a corrupt organisation is to be the most corrupt. And it feels like this is amazing business advice from you. He's like, I'm not giving this advice. I'm just saying what it is. <laughs> but it's true. If you So anyone listening to this pod, you work somewhere and you think your boss is dodgy. You think the board are dodgy. Catch them. Catch them doing something dodgy. And don't report them like you're meant to. No, no. Blackmail them. Get yourself climbed to the top. You started in the post room. What? Now you're junior vice president? You've got your own office now? Before using the post room that had no windows. Now you've got the big office. People scratch their heads. Going, How comes he's... He was in the post room last month. Now he's, now he's got the biggest office in the building. Hey, His salary has been... Like times tenned. Tenfold was the word I was looking for, you know. Times tenned. Jesus. Um... Harry's gone up tenfold. Voila. And that's the way to get up in a, in a dodgy organisation if you work for one. Don't try to work hard. Don't try to bring honesty to that institute. No. Just get right in. Balls deep into the corruption. The embezzlement. <laughs> like I said, you just got to find someone. And then just climb to the top. I'm telling you. Um, but what else? What else is that? I'm trying to, I didn't write any notes or things that are happening or things I'm interested in. Um, no. I just spoke about my show lightly that I'm going to be doing in 2023. I've got a name. I've got a name for it. Um, so just working on that artwork for it and posters. I've got a photo shoot this week, just trying to remain spotless on my face. Even I've got a little mole on my face that um, 
but as soon as I've got a little scratch next to him, a bit sore. Now, I don't ever pick moles because I've been told if you do, they go everywhere and you get cancer. Now, I'm not sure how true that is. <laughs> as a, these are the things you're taught as a kid, right? Like a swan can break your arm. And you just take that. You're like, yeah, swans can break your arm when in reality it, it couldn't break your arm. So I, I don't know if that's true about moles. I just well, they bleed everywhere. So this thought, nah, don't need to do that. But um, but yeah, the show, show next year. Um, once I get all the artwork done, I'll tell you a lot before. But it's good. It's gonna be good, man. It's gonna be good. Um, looking forward to writing this show and and get it working. Um. I've got a work in progress show on the 21st and then another one on the 28th. Um, I think those are the only work in progress shows I've got this side of the new year. One's 30 minutes, one's 45 minutes. Um, so if you are free, come on down. Go to the website, darrengrooves.com. Um, I might as well tell you the name of the show because you have to know the name of the show. <laughs> it's not even a secret. Uh, so darrengrooves.com forward slash inconceivable. That's going to be the name of the show in 2023, inconceivable. It's the show we are working on. So I think we've already got eight dates in the calendar um, for work in progress shows. And there'll just be many, many more until we get to Edinburgh in August. And that's going to be fun. And that time's going to fly. By then, um, yeah, it'd be crazy. Bloody sun by then. Golly. I'm a two-year-old. So life's going to be coming fast. You know what I mean? It's already coming fast. Just, uh, I told you a lot about the house move, right? That of all offers accepted and stuff, and nothing I told you guys that. So now I'm just trying to get paperwork together and just hope we don't get face fucked ball deep by the interest rates. I mean, the quote I got uh, is 5.8. I was like, God damn. It's like we've timed this terribly. But oh well. Oh well. Um right, let's see. I don't know if it's going to Matt Hancock being in um I'm a celebrity. I haven't watched one minute of that show. I saw Bubba Tunde they shout him out. Um you know for a talk to asking I'm not asking to to Matt Hancock. Um, he got a lot of fans from that. Felt like he's putting Matt Hancock under pressure. I didn't see it like that. I saw it as him just being very, he was being nice to him. He was just breaking balls like we do as comedians and that's the way of showing we like you. And listen, he's going to turn it around. Matt Hancock, 100% turning it around. I ain't watching this show, but I just know he's going to come out of it popular to the general public. So I've already seen it in Twitter comments. And videos, little memes. Like he was taught to do willy bounce today. And um, and you know some you know some comments people are like, oh my god, he's so cool. But I'm looking at like people still upset about what happened in the pandemic in the sense of him breaking the rules. He was health secretary, so they're saying that you know it was his decisions that caused the deaths of um, thousands of people. And he shouldn't just be, you know, prattling around on on a celebrity. But there's other people who go, well, it's not like he was the only one who broke the rules. 
And so you see just that. That's that's what I've seen as a defence. Then some seen some people just not even talk about it. And um Yeah, not talk about the lockdown stuff, there's gone like it's just not a big deal. Move on. There's a big Matt Hancock fan. <laughs> I don't didn't know these people existed, but yeah. And I think when they're sat in the camp, if people just hammering the guy, hammering the guy, hammering the guy, he's going to end up looking like the victim. And people are going to start feeling sorry for him. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, if he even wants to bother going to politics, he probably could. But if he doesn't, he could just be making money elsewhere. That's what these politicians do. I'll say retire, so. Anyway, I think... Um, I think that's the only news that I've had a light touch of and seen. Um, oh, actually, there's this tweet that I saw today. Philip O'Connor, sorry. No, sorry, sorry, no, sorry. Story doing the rounds of two footballers in the Premier League team, in a Premier League team, who are in a relationship that is common knowledge at the club. A reminder to journalists and editors that no matter how big this story is, they will tell it if and when they choose to. It's not your call. And then proceeds everyone messaging on, commenting on Twitter of two names. <laughs> two names I kept on seeing, which was uh, Mason Mount and Reese James at Chelsea. Now, here's the thing. Let's say they are gay and they are in a relationship together. That's true. It really is a so what moment, isn't it? Some people are gay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a so what moment um, but it's a shame that it probably won't be treated like that right but what's fun what the most interesting for me of all of this though is this tweet by this Philip O'Connor because the ego of the man to think that people already commented on this I'm looking at timing time of like comments people already comment on it and then he's telling people oh stop <laughs> i've said stop everyone needs to stop it's like who are you mate um, that's not me disrespecting philip o'connor is a you know successful journalist but the point i'm making is because of his i guess his yeah i guess it's a bit of arrogance that he thought if i put this message this will stop people doing it He's completely ignored the Streisand effect. Absolute Streisand effect here. If you don't know the Streisand effect, Streisand effect is when you try to suppress something and by suppressing it, you actually created more interest in what it was. You know what I mean? It'd be like if you had... You murdered someone with a knife and... What you really should do is just keep your knife just in the knife block. But instead, what you don't, you've removed that knife and you try to get rid of it. So now when the police come to investigate, they look at your knife block and there's one knife missing. Like, where's that knife? You've just drawn attention to it. And it all came from uh, Barbara, literally Barbara Streisand, is where Streisand effect comes from. Yeah, someone's doing like a coastal review. It's a review of the coast in, the, in California. Uh, coastal erosion. He's taking photos. Photo of Barbara Streisand's house. Right? Now, I only know it's Barbara Streisand's house because of what's happened since that photo was taken. 
years ago. But in the moment, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known. Anyway. So because the image of her house is caught up in these series of images that are just free for everyone to look at online, her legal team basically tries to sue the guy. Well, first tells her, hey, delete the picture. And then because people see the picture's been asked to be deleted, it was obviously what's this? People start Googling, trying to work it out, and they're like, boom, guess what? They've worked out Boris Dreisner lives there. And it was the thing of, they, they said that, um, and they showed like the, the rate of engagement in the post. It's something like six people downloaded the image from the website, two of them being Streisand's defence team to remove the image. But then after this whole thing blew up, like tens of thousands of people clicked looking for this image. And it wouldn't have happened if people just didn't make a big deal of it. And this one, going back to what this Philip O'Connor's done, it's like, he made such a big deal about this thing that shouldn't be a big deal, that everyone's like, oh, it's a big deal. You know, people feel like they have to try and get a name out. But, hey, it is what it is. Anyway, let's get on to um, the ideas, really. Is it getting late? It's getting late. Um, well, it's not late. Oh, I'd like to go to bed. A different day to where I wake up. Oh, no, the yawns are here. The yawns are here. The yawns are here. And the yawns are here. Oh, golly. Are we ready, people? Just sipping the tea on the pod. Right, here we go. Are you ready for this madness? Dear, dear, Drake. Right, kiss and tell. So far, I've kissed four of my friends' boyfriends. I fear for my reputation. Please explain how this has happened. Are they all with these boyfriends now? Are you their slutty friend? As in, their girl mate? Because before a certain age, it seems like every woman has a slag of a friend. You know, the friend that they wouldn't trust you around, guys. I once was in a relationship with a girl and she was talking about her best friend. And she was like, yeah, of course. Say when we were older and we've got a house together, if she said, oh, I'm just around the corner, I'm going to drop this thing off that you need me to drop off, and it's just you at the house? Nah. And I was like, what? That's your friend? What kind of person you did? She goes, nah, because she would think it would be like just sexy that you two are alone, uh, and that would turn her on, and then, you know, you're just a dumb guy. So if she says, hey, you're the fuck, you're the fuck. I was like, what is this? I don't even find your friend attractive like that. I mean, you're right with what you're saying. <laughs> but this is what I mean. Like, I think every girlfriend I had before a certain age, they all had just slotty friend that they loved hanging out with proper fun person to go for a drink with but they're like yeah no, she can never drop off anything at the house I'm like what is going on I can see how people would act I can see why if you were the person dropping stuff off you might not want to drop something off because again you don't want to be alone with that person but to think your friend would do it crazy anyway 
kissed her. So far, I've kissed four of my friends' boyfriends. I fear for my reputation. Dear Deirdre, so far, I've kissed four of my friends' boyfriends, though only one friend has found out and thankfully she has forgiven me. But I'm worried my cheeky snogs are going to catch up with me and I'll get a bad reputation. I don't set out to misbehave, but I get caught up in the moment. I'm 23. Ta-da! And seem to attract a lot of mad attention. Da-da, especially from the bad boys. See, it's a strange one when women don't know how to deal with mad attention in that kind of naive way. It's almost like a... So what's the trade-off, really? You know what I mean? Do you have a girl who's... Um, you know, popular and deemed attractive. So it kind of forms part of identity that she's a good-looking person or do you want someone who isn't fancied at all well, you, kid, you know what I mean they're not fancied at all and then they have that like, the ugly duck in my way they become good-looking growing to their own face and stuff they have found a lot of those people though oh, those uh, who become very arrogant they don't have to do with the new fame the new attention um, but if you've always been good looking then there's no need to you know chuck out the mouth love anyway uh, last time I kissed someone I shouldn't have it was my best friend's bloke now he's really chased me and I don't know the best way to give him the brush off <laughs> man is a doll woof, woof. the best way to give him a brush off is to tell him you're going to tell his girlfriend if he doesn't stop pursuing you I mean that's what it will do do you say I want to tell my mate and he'll be like oh I want to tell her that we had sex she's like okay she's still going to hate you more <laughs> anyway right uh... oh god um Oh, God, what is this one? Left out. I haven't been invited to my boyfriend's birthday, but my kids... Sorry, but it's... Start again. Left out. I haven't been invited to my boyfriend's birthday, but his kids and parents have. That's because they're his kids and his parents. They're directly related to him. There's, you know what I mean? It's a generational thing. Now, um, what? Oh no, it's happened again. It's happened again, lads. <laughs> I forgot what I was just seeing. Um, but I said, yeah, generational thing. No, her generational thing. I was saying, generational thing of it's your family, it's your birthday. You have your parents there, you've been there for all your other birthdays, especially the first one, the main one. And it's your kids, and that's a generational thing that when it's your kid's birthday, you're going to be the grandparents in the future. Makes sense. Now, you said it's your boyfriend's party. I haven't read the rest of the Dear Dear You, and you'll give me that information, but again, it's your boyfriend, it's not your husband. I don't know how long you've been together for. I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, if it's anything under six months, Ed butt yourself, but we'll see, we'll see. Anyway. My boyfriend is spending his birthday with his kids and his parents and they are 
and there is not one hint of me being invited. You actually can't have been together for that long if he's not inviting you. Or you've just not been invited. You know what I mean? I don't have to invite my wife anywhere. She'll just come along. Excuse me, why? <laughs> anyway, um, we are both 52 and have been together over a year. Um, over a year. It's quite a long time. But it's also quite short in old people time. Anyway, he has two sons who I've never met and yet he spends time with all of my family and stays over at my regularly. Has he even got sons? Check this out, please. Has he got an ex-wife? Has he got sons? Because it's all sounding crazy. Um, I thought we turned a corner a couple of weeks ago when he took me to his house where he lives with his grown-up boys. But when we arrived, he left me in the car while he dashed to grab his overnight bag. This man might still be married. Afterwards, I asked him what he was hiding, and he said, nothing, babe, just give it time. Now his birthday's coming up, and I'm upset. There's no invitation. Am I being unreasonable? She said, now his birthday's coming up and I'm upset there's no invitation. Oh, no, no, I've misread it. Um, Yeah, no, it's not unreasonable to be upset that your partner's invited them to a milestone birthday party, but, (laughs) you know, how's that normal behaviour? Even with this guy, that's what I'm thinking. His wife's there. That's why he can't come. Anyway. Anyway, I've said anyway so many times in this pod. I should call it the anyway episode. Um, uh, uh, oh my god, okay. This, this is all messy this week. This week, so dear Deirdre, dear Deirdre, I'm grieving for my dad, but I'm bedding my stepmom's fair lot. Jesus. My stepmom didn't hang about after my dad died, but has already moved on to a new boyfriend. I think her behaviour is disrespectful, so I don't feel in the least bit bad that I'm now having sex with him too. What? Let me read this again. Agreeing for my dad. Okay, yes. Right, I'm getting out. I'm getting out, I'm getting out, I'm getting out, I'm getting out. Let's go again. So, my stepmom didn't hang about after my dad died and has already moved on to a new boyfriend. I think her behaviour is disrespectful, so I don't feel in the least bit bad that I'm now having sex with him too. I am a woman of 29. My dad was only 61 when he died of cancer two years ago. In his last few months, my stepmom and I made sure we put everything into creating happy memories with him. Um, she is 58 and came into my life when I was 14. I don't know how old this man is that you're both banging because she's 58, you're 29. 29 year old is, um, yes, can 29 year old get up to. 50-odd? Nah, I can't, can't do. Anyway, 
Jeez, 68. After Dad died, we both stayed in the family home and I really appreciate her support as we grieved. Then, about 10 months after he died, she started to go in, out a lot and joined a fitness club. I noticed she hardly mentioned him anymore and it seemed impatient when I shared how much I was missing Dad. She hates ass. Then one night, I saw her getting out of a car and giving a male driver a long kiss. My heart hit the floor and I honestly felt like she was cheating on Dad. Within two months, this man started staying over. And although I wanted to hate him, when I met him, I understood the attraction. Of course. He is 56. Into psychic and very knowledgeable. One evening, my stepmom was late returning from work, so me and this man sat chatting. He asked, he asked me lots of questions about dad and said he sounded like a great guy. Okay, a few weeks later, while my stepmom was working away, he came around to pick up clothes. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> we ended up sitting at the kitchen table again, only this time we polished off a couple of bottles of wine. He didn't need the wine, but he did. That's it. For plausible deniability. <laughs> uh, right, where was I? Cover bottles of wine, yeah. Plausible deniability, diminished responsibility. Hey, it weren't me, it was the alcohol. I had a few sips of alcohol and went straight to my penis. Anyway, um, now, whenever my stepmom's away, he comes around to pick up some clothes, which is our clothes for sex. I only question myself when I think of that. Well, it depends. If you're doing it in his old bed, that's disgusting, as you have your own double bed with your own skin flakes all over it. Anyway, it's in the pod. It's in the pod. It's the end of the pod. Um. Oh. Save that one for later. How do I save this? How do I? Let's see this shit. Sorry, this came across really interesting. Article. When I say article, I mean, I think it's the Metro. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, 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 anyway. anyway. In the pod, I'm rambling, I'm rambling. I said I want to keep it under half an hour. I've gone 34. Uh, go, I say, go check out my dates on my website uh, for uh, for Inconceivable 2023. And hopefully, get some cool artwork for that show. Um, but listen, cheers for listening. I know there's some other stuff that's happening in the world. As in, be bothered. All right. Cool. Peace.